0: Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents Success in Accounting, sponsored by Dext.
1: Hi, Rob Brown here with Success in Accounting. This is our flagship show as part of the Accounting Influencers Podcast Network, one show going out every week. We have been doing a series of women in accounting panels. We've got 14 panels planned. We're at the halfway point, seven have gone, and we are breaking things up, moving on to something completely different, just for a couple of episodes over the next two weeks. And I'm thrilled to have with me today, a very special guest, the author of Redefining Masculinity and founder of the Better Man Movement, it's Dan Stanley. Hi
0: Rob. Yeah, uh, the the book is Rethinking Masculinity, and I think given... The the stage of your 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 panels, I think it's going to be a a real kind of uh, a real a real a real dive into the, the state of modern day masculinity, and I'm grateful to be able to share my message with your audience. Sure, and it will be a juxtaposition, if you like, a a a
1: jarring because we've been talking about women and diversity and their role in society, their role in business, how the world has changed, but we've neglected the men to an extent for a few weeks, and it's important that we do because in a world like accounting, you'll be familiar with this with a lot of your clients, Dan. It's a very male-driven environment. There's a a, a phrase called stale, male and pale to describe environments like this, but it generally has been a men's domain. men. But in accounting, 53% of accountants are women, 47% are men, obviously, but they're very underrepresented in leadership roles. And we don't know whether it would ever get to 50-50, that's desirable. But let's set up the context right now. It gives a little bit of... Your background, Dan, so our listeners know what's brought you to this point.
0: Before I even start talking about my personal experience and the work I do now, I think it's important to kind of to, to set the scene. I, I'm not here to champion Monday masculinity in its current form. Uh, I, I, do, I don't I do feel it's toxic, but I do feel it's dysfunctional. And uh, I hope through through our conversations, we can pull some plasters off, not just gender issues, but perhaps societal issues. So... 2017, uh, I am a retired award-winning army commando, a national sporting champion, and I've helped my wife grow a seven-figure business in the service sector. And um, despite living in a detached house and driving a German car and having uh what would I know if this would be a relative statement, but having, you know, high levels of disposable income. Um I was hiding all of my personal insecurities and external success. Uh, When I became a father for the first time, I had this kind of realisation that what I was doing was perhaps being inauthentic in pursuing societal success rather than my own. And then I came to the uncomfortable conclusion that I didn't know what my definition of success was. And actually, I'd spent probably decades of my life pursuing the goals of others. Uh, conforming to whatever the environment or the cultural expectation of me as a man was and despite standing on podiums and being recognized with awards uh, I kind of built the foundation of who I was uh, on, on foundations of sand and when I started to have these feelings that I had tried to run away from and to hide from uh, in both work uh, and in exercise, um, but no longer could outrun them. I kind of went and spiraled into an identity crisis. I got lost in my head where I was kind of smiling to the outside world. And, you know, when somebody would ask you, how are you? And say, yeah, I'm okay or not too bad or whatever the the kind of uh, the the passive superficial comment might have been. There was no depth or honesty in it. And actually, I, I struggled to a point where, you know, I was trying to man up instead of opening up. Uh, and the situation resulted in essentially me and my ma- me and my wife in our marriage uh, that coming to to an end for around eight months, uh, and it was you know arguably an early midlife crisis at, at the age of 34, 35. But it was a it was a crisis that I managed to turn into a transformation. Uh, and in that space, and the turbulence and the pain of separating my wife and co-parenting a child, and kind of everything else that comes with being in a, in a in a state of Um, Perhaps in the heading towards divorce Uh, In that pain and discomfort I came to the realisation that I wasn't the only guy Of um, perhaps external Outside significant success That was feeling lost in his life I started to have conversations with my peers uh, With some of my friends and clients and colleagues and, um, yeah, I was kind of like really frustrated, deeply frustrated that, well, I felt I've been conditioned to to achieve and to live my life this way. Maybe we'll go into more of that conditioning later on. Uh, and the outcome is that actually I've arrived at a place where to the outside world, I'm extremely successful in all the things that I've done. But none of the fulfillment, none of the happiness, none of that sense of pride accompanied my external success. And uh, I decided to make a stand and do something about it. So four years ago, um, whilst... Whilst me and my wife were rebuilding our marriage, uh, we now have two children, and our marriage is 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 better in every sense than it was originally. But whilst we were we we're on holiday uh, in the south of France, and after a bottle of wine, my wife kind of said to me, "What are you gonna do when for What are you gonna do when we get home? What are you gonna do career wise?" And I, I flippantly. But there was some truth in this. I said, I'm going to set up a business for men. She sort of laughed and said, what are you going to call it? I said, better men. And uh, I followed that up, Rob, with uh, the statement. It's going to be like Ron Seal. It's going to do exactly what it says in the tin. Uh, And over the last four years, I've worked with men in high pressure roles, corporate leaders, successful business owners from New York to New Zealand. I've helped men to change or reignite their careers, to save their marriages, to exit businesses for six, seven, uh, and perhaps by the end of this year, eight-figure sums and essentially what I do if I was to distill it right down I create the space for men to be really honest about where they are in their lives good men and enabling them to access the answers and to facilitate those answers to live better lives it's a very full answer let me challenge you then Dan and ask you why you would
1: put the phrase award-winning in front of commando when I asked you about your background because that's is that you clinging on to an element of success and saying I wasn't just a commando I want some kudos for what I've achieved or is there another reason
0: for that The, the reason really rob is that i want my significant achievements in my past to have some social status so that when men are looking at somebody who's saying i've been here i've done these things i have achieved externally in all different measurements of, of success, but actually, I still found Tony Robbins calls it the the ultimate failure. Success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure, uh, and that's what I experienced. So the reason I describe my my past in those ways is not an, an egoic sense of hanging on to an attachment of who I was. It's I, I hope what it actually is is a provocative statement for men to realize that if that no matter what their level of success, if it's not true to who they are and what they want, they will eventually come unstuck.
1: And the world is changing. If you ask anyone what it means to be a woman these days, very few people can answer that. And likewise, what it means to be a man these days, very few people can answer that. Give us a little bit of context on the world that we're in right now, Dan, and how it's changed over the years.
0: Yep, it's turbulent. At best, it's turbulent. Um, potentially at worst, it's tragic. You know, I think some of the challenges that the gender conditioning that young boys and adolescent men experience in their formative years, um, be they from social expectations, um, conditioning received in school or uh, parental expectations of who they will be and what they will do in their futures. It kind of sets men up to these three things, Rob. And for me, the first one is that they have to be strong. You know, big boys don't cry, that phrase man up, they kind of drilled into us so many times in our in our in our early years, at home or in a playground, wherever it might be in sports teams, you know, the the expectation is a man, we need to be strong. You can't show weakness on the playground, can you, Dan? You'll get bullied, picked on, beaten up, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. If you're different from in any sense, that'll be, that'll be, a, that'll be, that'll be spotted by people and it will be used to, to cause some distress. Uh, and, and I think that's part of the, 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 the patriarchy Rob that follows us through, not just from the playground, but into, in, into all successful environments, be that corporate or sporting, you know, the, the, the attitude that you see in, in, in corporates, uh, a few weeks ago, I was, I was at a charity function and I was sat on a table of consultants from a, from a big firm, a global firm. And, uh, obviously part of the conversation was what do you do Dan so I kind of told them, I'm a coach I I work exclusively with men most recently I've written a book Uh, and all of a sudden there was a real interest in 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 the themes in the book and uh, the conversation developed Uh, and what I noticed whilst the conversation was developing Rob that that these guys who were all probably earning you know maybe six figure sums in in their corporate organizations uh, and undoubtedly were experiencing a a lot of stress in 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 their job roles they, they started to kind of almost whisper you know, so we're in a busy charity function, and these guys are kind of whispering about the challenges and the problems that they face, face in the in the in the day-to-day life. And when I say guys, like why are you whispering? Uh, there was a there was a look of shock firstly because they didn't realize they were doing it. And then there was a sense of like, oh, this isn't safe to talk about. Uh, and for me, that's exactly why, whether it's in the playground in those formative years or now in corporate organizations or sports teams or businesses, like I think men, I generally feel men are feeling marginalized. There's so much Um, So much important and necessary work being done for, for different groups, ethnicity, genders, sexual orientation, but I think potentially that men are being left behind. And that happens for two reasons. Uh, I think the reasons I view from my experience, both lived and the work that I do. Firstly, there's reluctance for men to speak up because they don't feel safe to because they're taught to be strong. Uh, and, and, and secondly, a lot of the work that's being done around men is it's being done in a way that would never give the men in their organizations even the capacity to, to benefit from the work that's being offered. Um, a lot of corporates are still trying to bring in people from a very kind of corporate background that maybe have never walked in the shoes of those men. Uh, and, and i think because then there's maybe a, a lack of symmetry or personal sharing uh, what happens is that men will kind of just they'll kind of just go for the motions they'll take the box but there'll be no depth to anything that they talk about there'll be no release well let's just Stay
1: on the playground for a moment. I know you said there's three problems. One is the need to be strong. Women need to be strong too though on the playground because they, they use the term bitches in the playground and women can be really bitchy, can't they? Girls can be bitchy, girls can be, they will bully in a different way to men if they see weakness.
0: So is that a problem for women as well, seen as being strong? I, I think the issue with regards to gender is trying to be strong. What happens when you have no strength left? You know, People then are, are left then with an inability to handle the challenges and problems that they face. Um, and the second like the second thing that I think that we're kind of conditioned into, particularly around men, is, is to be silent. And the way I kind of frame this, Rob, because I think it, people can understand the context, it's a little bit like Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club is don't talk about Fight Club. It's the same for men. The first rule of being a man, especially in previous generations, is don't talk about what it's like to be a man in your life you know fake smiles keep things at a superficial level of conversation around sport or politics or work but never never really go into kind of the the emotive side of what's actually happening in a man's life um so i think men or women if they're trying to be strong and then they run out of strength they're kind of left in this place that they feel really exposed and that's why it's really important that regardless of age stage or gender that people have a support network around them
1: let's camp there for a moment dan men i've found struggle with Articulating feelings. It's not that they're not feeling stuff. It's that articulation of putting those feelings into words. If they had a safe environment, not all of them have the vocabulary to be able to translate those feelings into words. That's a problem, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. Um, you know, I think ignoring the warning signs, the, the risk of doing so means that the, the the warning signs will, you know, I think for many men, they're, they're in one of three states. They start off kind of being asleep, and then there'll be these warning signs, whether it's kind of feelings. Uh, of distress, anxiousness, broken nights of sleep, maybe a disconnect in their marriage or feeling that they're heading towards burnout. Ignoring those warning signs uh, takes people from a bit of sleep to being aware. And there's an awareness that something perhaps isn't quite right. There's a, maybe a lack of alignment in their lives. Uh, and, and, and if people then don't go from being aware to awake, they, they run the risk then of, of, of really spiraling into maybe an identity crisis, into a sense of separation, uh, in, into some kind of significant failure. But you, you are right, Rob, there's a lack of vocabulary And the way I look at masculinity, you know, just as a broad brush statement is that we learn through modeling other men and the men that we choose to model and the men that we learn from generally and typically are either men in our family, our fathers, our our uncles, older brothers, maybe in a world of work, kind of people that have kind of climbed the ladder or or done something of significance that are ahead of us in terms of age. Uh, We look at these people and we've all modeled their behaviors. And, And when these people have a, you know, an almost obvious reluctance to share uh, anything other than what's kind of happening at a superficial level or work level, uh, men kind of embody that behavior and repeat it. Uh, and when you attach that to a lack of vocabulary, emotional vocabulary to share how they're feeling, you know, I think men can very quickly find themselves feeling trapped in a corner. So we've got strong, we've got silent. What's the third? Successful. There's an expectation. That we will perhaps do better than our peers or our parents, and the expectation that as men still lead today in today's world, despite kind of the social shifts and changes that we're all experiencing, there's still I really believe fundamentally at the core of masculinity, uh, that men believe that they have to be the breadwinners in the, in, in the in their families, um, and around I think found about twenty almost like a, a quarter now of households that's not true that men aren't the breadwinners in their families, and I think for a lot of men, um, they they, they really struggle with that um i i coined the phrase rob uh, before i wrote my book but it sets the book up really well in terms of uh, a positional statement uh, i coined the phrase the myth of masculinity and uh, it's the belief that professional success will equal personal happiness so we've been taught to be strong we have a reluctance to share how we're feeling and we expect that we will go on to achieve personal happiness through the things that we achieve in our careers uh, and that's why i said at the start i think this is not just gender issues but also societal because if we look at maybe females now and ladies, particularly in corporate environments, when they look ahead at the people that are sat at the, the board level and they try then to model or emulate those behaviors, there's a, there's, a, there's a high probability that they'll think that they, you know, I see it sometimes, you know, that women will cut their hair short, they will power dress, they'll speak assertively, they'll have an expectation that they have to have all the answers to support all of the team members. Uh, and I think between strong, silent, and successful, that trifecta of gender conditioning kind of sets men to, up to fail, particularly, particularly in the second half of their lives when they've ticked a lot of those boxes in terms of house and status and cars. Like, why do I have all of these things but not have the happiness or fulfillment I expected to accompany them? It's interesting you comment
1: on what's known as the defaminization of women in the workplace that's come out a lot on our panels that we've done with very successful women that have got to the top of the ladder if you like in a man's environment but have felt to some degree that they've had to conform to the way men have led and ran the firm over many many years ran the organization there's an interesting podcast with megan markle called archetypes it's a new one we all know who megan markle is her first guest on her first podcast was serena williams Now, these women are the same age, they grew up in the same area of LA, uh, two black women talking about those problems. And Meghan Markle asked Serena Williams about the word ambition and to what degree that was a dirty word in her world. And it was admitted on the podcast by a lot of women that, yeah, to be confident, to the point of arrogant and ambitious was not a trait that was viewed favourably by women, to the point even where they'd not applied for jobs and promotions that they knew they were qualified for but men that were less qualified felt entitled to do so and even that they should do so so whilst ambition might be a, a tough word for women, it is a desirable trait for men, isn't it? And that drives them forward into some of the problems Europe's seeing
0: with your clients. I, I think that is is, is, is very correct, Rob. Um, it saddens me to feel and to know that people find it hard to 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 want to be ambitious, and then they choose to play small, perhaps safe in their lives, um, because of the conditioning and the messaging that they they, they receive in their formative years. Um, sometimes what happens with my clients is that they are trying to move away from a place of pain. Maybe there's some sibling rivalry. Maybe the the the, the father was a, a high achiever. Uh, maybe someone that's at some point in their lives that they won't be successful. Uh, and what happens, I, I find them with these men, is they move so far away from that place of pain and they get to a point where it's no longer hurts. There's nothing to prove, but then they don't have anything to kind of pull them forward in that next chapter, the next journey of their lives. And they, they inevitably put themselves up to pasture. So I know this is a slightly different context to, to what Serena uh, and Megan were speaking about in that podcast, but I think it's a sad reflection that people are afraid to be ambitious. Well, ambition for me is a striving to do better, be better
1: have more and and that's okay if we associate that with work and accolades and achievements and everything else that might create a problem but you're a movement better men that's an ambition on the part of men to want to be more purposeful have more meaning in their lives striving for happiness and
0: that's valid isn't it yeah 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 i I'm, you know in in my drunken state in the south of france you know better men not better man better men you know, and there is a sense of a movement around that, uh, and and I feel it's really important. You know, maybe we'll go on to talk kind of about about legacy, but you know, if if I'm right in my in my belief that men learn through modelling, you know, if we continue to live our lives in the way that we are, um, and I'll go on in a moment to talk about what I see as the top five challenges of modern day masculinity, the reality is that we'll pass our learnings and our behaviours onto our sons and daughters, tomorrow's men and women. And they keep repeating this pattern. And the way I kind of look at this, Rob, is the three or the five main challenges that we we experience as a gender at this point and this juncture in, in, in our own journeys. Um, firstly, it's, I call it the respectable addiction and that's workaholism, you know, almost in families across the UK. There's a sense that it's okay to be answering emails at all hours that's not just the UK, is it, down? We know that's a worldwide thing. It's the Western world. Yeah, particularly, yeah, probably worldwide now, you know, answering emails, taking laptops on holiday, not being able to switch off. Um, and, you know, for many in the wake of COVID, working from home, having lost that commute now, there's even less line, less clear lines between work and family life. So the, the first point is that, a lot of men are, are workaholics because they've been taught that they prove their worth through their work. Um, The second point is, is loneliness. And maybe we can talk more about these in, in more depth if you choose. Second part is loneliness. Because we're so busy proving our worth of our work and, and trying to earn money to, to collect these societal success symbols that we've been speaking about, You know, very few men have time to even maintain or to build new friendships. Uh, and it was the charity Mind. In an anonymized survey, they, they reported that 8 million men in the UK feel lonely in their lives. Like, what a startling statistic. Eight million men feel lonely in their own lives. Because we're overworking and we're underliving, we end up lonely. When we end up lonely, we don't have a support network around us and we have some kind of significant challenge. We'll get to it, whatever it might be. There's a high probability that we'll experience poor mental health. And then because of our reluctance to talk about that mental health, we might spiral into some kind of crisis. Uh, and if we are we're overworking and underliving, we're lonely, we're experiencing some kind of mental health crisis, Uh, we're in a a point of midlife transition, we don't recognise it, and we don't communicate any of this to our loved ones and our partners. You know, there's a a high probability that people withdraw from their lives, from their relationships, uh, and and perhaps for those that are in a relationship or are married, end up divorced. It's a great read, your book,
1: Dan, on rethinking masculinity, that it lays out those five problems that had me, as well as many other men, thinking... Wow, there it is. Someone's articulated there, everything that most men go through. And I I just want to wrap up this episode and we'll have a part two and get you back and talk about what we do. But we've laid out the situation here where the definition of masculinity is not fit for purpose. It's not serving men. I agree it's not serving society, it's not serving women and families. So in rethinking masculinity, what would you have our listeners watchers, go away with just the end of this episode, Dan, for them to think about as we tee things up for our next recording?
0: What I would invite the listeners to take away from, from our conversation today, Will, would be to create a greater level of awareness around where they are in their current lives. And um, a part of the, the, the book I, I talk about checking in Bringing a very simple but effective tool to, to to our application and just inviting ourselves to think about two to three words that would best describe our current lives. So if anyone's listening to this and they're kind of coming to the end of the call, when, when Rob no doubt wishes us all farewell, just take a moment just to reflect. Two to three words that would best describe your current life. Because if those words aren't words that give you a sense of fulfillment and pride uh, and allow you to be perhaps grateful for that sense of ambition that we've been talking about, something needs to
1: change. If things are going to change, it starts with an acknowledgement of some kind of dissatisfaction with the status quo, some kind of admitting of a problem. It's not necessarily turning up for an AA meeting uh, and saying, I'm an alcoholic, I'm addicted, but it is men agreeing with themselves, that there is a problem, that they're not happy with what's going on. And that's the catalyst
0: for change, Dan, isn't it, as we tee up the next episode? Yeah, most definitely. Self-awareness. Without self-awareness, people will keep reliving the same day, week, month, and year over and over without any significant progression. So, yeah, awareness. I, I If we've got time, Rob, I call it in, in the book, I call it the four pillars of progression. First part is first we start to awareness, like aware of how we're feeling and what we're experiencing. The second part is acceptance. No one's going to come and save a middle class, middle aged man. We've got to take responsibility and accept that it's up to us to take action. And that's the third part. So after acceptance or awareness, acceptance and action, the fourth part is accountability. Um, it, it's, you know, there's two parts to accountability for, for me and my perspective. The first is our integrity of ourselves, being able to keep our word. What is our word worth? Uh, And if we recognize that there's a high probability we won't keep our word for whatever reason, then I I would really advocate that that people outsource their accountability to either a a friend, uh, a colleague, a loved one, a coach or a men's group. This is great, Dan. Just to finish off. Uh, if people want to learn more about Better Men and
1: the stuff that you're doing, where might they find out
0: more? Thank you, Rob. So my website is better-men.uk, better-men.uk. Uh, on the website, there's a range of resources from diagnostic tools to assess where you're at in your life. Uh, there's also a link to get my book free of charge, just covering the postage, which is currently £3. Uh, and uh, if people are interested in social media platforms, then LinkedIn is is my primary my, my primary platform.
1: It's a great topic. Thank you so much for the moment, Dan Stanley, author of Redefining Masculinity. We appreciate your time and your insights. Improve your practice while decreasing how hard you work, oh, you work. to make your firm really fly. fly.
0: Sponsored by Dext.